Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 18 verses 1 through 8 and the last time the message was titled ready but not obsessed you know Jesus taught on various topics you know he speaks about the uh, uh, the, the second coming we know he spoke a lot when he was with his followers about him returning and um, you know listen he wanted us to be ready you know what are we doing are we doing the Lord's will are we loving people are we ministering to people are we leading them closer to God, at least with our actions, uh, if not our words as well, right? But he wanted us to be ready, but some groups, strangely enough, in the Christian culture really take this to an extreme. It's all they talk about. They do things that the Lord told them not to do, like they try to set dates for the Lord's return, and he specifically said not to do that. So ready, but not obsessed. Sometimes it takes me almost a whole week to come up with a title that encapsulates what the teaching is. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. You know, I really believe, and it just comes to my mind. I really feel like the Lord gives it to me. Uh, so today, the message is titled, Relational Conversations with God. Right? You could have conversations with a lot of people. You can talk at people. Right? You ever see that? People having a debate and they're talking at each other. They're really not communicating. So I was going to name it Conversations with God, but I changed it to be Relational Conversations with God. What, what, is, what does that look like? What does prayer look like? Right? And I'm really excited because in the fifth part today, we're going to talk about the nuances of prayer and even why some prayers may not be getting answered or there's a delay. So we're going to look at all that. Uh, going to be a lot of fun stuff. We're going to take it in five parts. And today is going to be the first sermon out of two. So next Sunday, we're going to talk more about prayer. And this Sunday is a, a parable that Jesus expresses to help us to understand. And next Sunday is another parable, the Pharisee and the tax collector. A lot of power in that short parable. So we're going to jump in, starting with verse 1, Luke 18. Verses 1 through 8. It says, Then he, Jesus, spoke a parable to them, that men and women always ought to pray and not lose heart. Now remember, he just came off speaking about the second coming. He just came off speaking, because everything's in context. There were no chapter delineations when the Bible was first codified. That came later. So Jesus would have these regular rolling conversations with not only his followers, but the, but the crowd. So he's saying, don't lose heart. What should you do in the meantime, before the time between Jesus' ascension and his second coming? He said to pray and not to lose heart. Saying, now he shares this, this parable. He says, there was a certain, in a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while... But afterward he thought within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, by the way, this is not a good thing, all he th thought about was himself and his high position, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continually coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said, 
And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Short, eight verses, a lot of punch in that. So part one uh, out of five is the parable of the widow and the judge. And if you study history, the Roman judges could have been, some of them were notoriously corrupt. And they would, <laughs> I think about politics, I think about, you know, even in the most perfect representative government, so to speak, there, there's corruption, right? We see it. We see it a lot. Oh, that person was a pillar of the community, right? So back then they were notoriously corrupt, and if you had money and you donated to them, well, certainly when you came before them in their case, they didn't recuse themselves, they would find in your favor. So this woman, she's a widow, right? Her husband passed away. There was no Social Security back then. She couldn't get part of her husband's Social Security. So if he didn't provide adequately, a lot of widows struggled to make ends meet. So certainly she didn't have the money to buy off this judge, um, and I'm not even sure she would have if she could have. So for this reason, we have to look at this importantly before we jump into the rest of this. This is not what you would call a strict parallelism. So theologians over the years would look at uh, Jesus' parables and sort of categorize them, right? Uh, a strict parallelism would be Jesus saying, well, look at this corrupt judge, and you know he did something for this widow. Now let's talk about God the Father, how he does things for us. It's not a strict parallelism, right? He's not saying that God is anything like this corrupt judge. What he is doing is he's arguing the lesser to the greater. In other words, this corrupt judge, even if he is maybe pushed to the point where he gives this lady something that she deserves, just think about your father in heaven who's not like that guy. He's a loving father. How much more he wants to do for us because he does love us, right? So uh, you would look at arguing from the lesser to the greater or what would be called a sharp contrast. So now that the theology is out of the way, let's go into the application, all right? Uh, verse 1b, he says that we should, ought, we should pray and always pray and not lose heart. Let me cover the not lose heart part first. So I like to go into the original language. I like to bring out more of the nuance or the flavor of those words and phrases. And what it means is that we do not become weary, that we do not become discouraged. Can I tell you something? Discouragement is a very powerful word in our culture, and in our English language. And I hear people talk about that. I hear people of faith talk about that. This world kind of kicks you back and forth. And we suffer discouragement. And it, it wearies us. It can affect our mood, our sleeping habits, our eating habits, right? Amen? Uh, so this is a real thing in 2023 in American culture. And even Jesus said He doesn't want us to become that way. He wants us to continue to pray and have a relationship with the living God. I want to read to you Galatians 6, 9. And I love this scripture. It says, well, I love all the scripture, but some of them are my favorites. It says, and let us not grow weary, that word again, while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Listen, if you're here this morning and you're ready to give up, and that could be a lot of people watching on the live stream, this is just where we are in Scripture. I don't make sermons for people, like for individuals. So if this is hitting you heavy, I want you to be encouraged by it, right? Because it is, it's a real thing. 
that even people of faith deal with. So I would just say to you, don't give up. He also says in the first part, he says to always pray. Now, taking that word apart, means it also can mean to supplicate and to worship. So prayer really is part of us having a well-rounded relationship with our God, with our Creator. So there's a lot of aspects to prayer that I'm going to actually get to. I, I, I have to slow down. I'm, I'm rushing to part five because part five is just so awesome, but we're going to get there. So we're going to talk about that. And I want to share with you just a little bit about my prayer life because my prayer life is different than Pastor Sam's and Pastor Paul and Pastor Vinny and you know Pastor Lloyd or any, anybody you might know. So prayer is we always ought to pray. In other words, it, it's a lifestyle. i just be honest with you, and I'll just tell you how my life works. I wake up in the morning, I sleep on my back, I look up at the ceiling, and I'm like, oh, I'm alive again. You know what I'm saying? I made it through another evening, and I greet the Lord, I get dressed, I start my day. At the end of the day, I go back to bed, I sort of, you could say, I say goodnight to Him, I, I share the day's events and things, and I go to sleep, and this is my routine. Now, in between... I tell you, I like to pray, uh, I like to walk and pray. Where I live is rural, I'll go into uh, maybe a secluded area so people don't call the police on me, I'm walking and talking and there's no earbud, uh, it's okay, I'm talking to the Lord, but uh, so I, I like to walk and I like to pray and I do a lot of driving, so uh, when I'm by myself in the car, I like to drive and I like to pray. Now, that could look very different than your prayer life, it's okay, because prayer is as unique as the person. Now, I feel like I need to say this. I, I like to, when I share sermons, I like to share with people that when you become a believer, a Christian, you're not perfect, and you're never going to be perfect. Could my prayer life be better? Could it change? Could I pray more? Of course. Of course. And we can all look at our relationship with the Lord and say, things can be different. But I don't want to paint a picture to you that I'm some perfect person because I have a title. I don't want to do that. You know, I, I don't pray for hours during the day. Pastor Joe's prayer life is actually a lot of little vignettes, I would call them, because I'll pray for, you know, a revival, I'll pray for all kinds of stuff, and then I run out of things to say, you know, but maybe two hours, three, right? It's, it, it happens. I, I, you know, I hear A.W. Tozer, he would lay uh, prone out on the ground for hours and just pray. Well, good for A.W. Tozer. I'm going to run out of things to say. So I'm like, oh, Lord. And then I might go out. I might just go, go for a ride and just start talking to the Lord and you know, stir up the conversation again. So prayer is beautiful because you, you are having a relationship with the living God. Right? So we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, you know, I, I would just say that going back to what Jesus said in the last section is that he doesn't want us to become discouraged. And I'll tell you this, that when I pray, even if I've been praying for something for a long time, and I don't know, it's not really getting answered, I know he's there. I know he's there, right? Otherwise, when I'm in the car, I'm talking to the windshield and something's wrong with me. You know, I know the Lord is there. So even in those difficult times, I'm comforted to know that he always hears me. Right? Today, public, you, know, you get into the public uh, services, a lot of times you, you make a phone call, whatever it is, the gas company or you know, uh, the government agency, you're, you're on a phone loop and sometimes you have to leave a message. When you pray to God, He's always, 
I always say God is, I like to multitask, but God is the great multitasker. He can listen to me and all of you at the same time and people in India and Africa and Asia. And that's the beautiful thing about our God. And, you know, it's going to be great when we see him. And I wonder how some of the fruits of our prayers, right, when we get to see him, what he's going to show us. Wouldn't that be something? So this is, this is an exciting thing. Verse 2 through 5, uh, 2 out of the fifth, five parts is the godless judge. So Jesus says, you know, you, you should pray, right? You should, um, you know, not, not be discouraged. You shouldn't lose heart. And, and he says it in a good way, not pointing fingers at us. Uh, so then he shifts to a, a parable where this corrupt judge, you, you could picture the widow, you know, coming to the court like daily and just saying, avenge me, you know, this isn't fair. And, and the godless judge is like, oh, this woman's driving me crazy. You know, I'm going to give her what she wants just because I can't take it anymore. You know, she's wearying me. Uh, so it's kind of a, a funny parable in a sense, but, you know, it, this is what's going on. And like I said, in reality, a lot of times the widows would not receive justice just because they didn't have the influence or the or the cash to, to buy off the judges. And I tell you what, today, um, and this is really neat before we go to the next part, is anyone who's in authority, and you, you might even look at the news and say, well, this person, you know, if I did that, I'd be going to jail, and somebody who's famous or in politics, they just seem to be unscathed. I say to people, they're going to stand before the living God. You know, and that's the real blessing. Those in power, whether they're judges or politicians or billionaires, you know, they're going to, one day they're going to stand, and they're not going to have a team of defense attorneys to, you know, to, you know, to try to manipulate the system. God's going to be like, this is what it is. You didn't repent of your sins, and, and you're going to receive judgment. So um, to me, that's comforting, because I, I get frustrated sometimes watching about world events. Uh, verse 6, that's putting it mildly. So this is important. Jesus says, so just go to 6 through 8 again. Jesus says, hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So three is the good judge. So we looked at the ungodly judge, the man, but then we look at the judge who's going to judge all of humanity, which is God, and he's the good judge. He's righteous. He doesn't take bribes. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't have favoritism and influence. The person who's disabled and all alone and has no friends and has no means of influence, they're non-ambulatory. God hears their prayers just as, he, as much as he hears everyone else's prayers. Uh, so verse 7, it says that God, you know, he, he bears long with them. The last part of, of verse 7, though he bears long with them. And I looked that phrase up again. I like to go into the original language. It, what it means is that God goes the distance with us, right? God is with us, what we would say, through the long haul. And we, we know that sometimes close friends, family members, associates, we go through something, it's been so long, and they, they kind of leave us. That happens sometimes. They get tired of hearing it, or they've, they've moved on. Uh, but God goes the distance. And I love that about him. And the cool thing is that God is with us in the storms of life. You know what? Sometimes the storms are so loud that you don't hear it. You know, we're so distracted by the storms. 
but God is with us. And I, I like that. I think it's a, a footprint, footprints poem, and you know, it was two, two sets of footprints, and then the guy sees, he looks back, and he only sees one set, and he says, Lord, where were you? And the Lord says, that's where I carried you. Those aren't your footprints, those are mine. So this is, I love this stuff, man. It, it ministers to me, it really does. Now, for those who, and, and we have those who are skeptical, maybe they haven't become Christians yet, they, they're looking at the text and they're, it's okay, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, kind of breaking it apart. The word in verse 8 is speedily, and that's where we get thrown off. We're like, wait a minute, I, I've been praying for this for a long time, and I haven't got an answer yet. This is hardly speedily. Well, two things. Number one, contextually, right, with the elect, when we covered Revelation, right, the tribulation saints, they're God's elect. They're already in heaven. They're crying out for justice. Their family members are still on the earth during the tribulation, which is a future event. And God says, a little while longer. Now, when God actually institutes that justice or judgment, it unfolds rapidly. The flood came so quickly that it shocked everybody. Uh, in Noah's day, the, uh, in Sodom and Gomorrah, the, the cities that were just raining down, uh, and of course, God always removes the righteous before he judges the wicked. So the same thing is going to happen. His justice is going to unfold rapidly. So there's two things we have to look at here when we look at this. Is God, don't confuse God's answers with his implementation. And again, it was something I prayed about. I'm like, Lord, I'm, I, I could see how... You know, I always try to read the Bible, and then when I go to teach it, you, you ask yourself, so I'm teaching this, um, how is somebody who doesn't know the Bible going to receive this? And even with criticism, that's cool. I've got to hit every angle here, but an answer versus an implementation. So God can answer immediately. God's like, oh, I'm so confused. Gabriel, help me out with this. I've never seen this before. He doesn't do that. He just immediately knows, and he actually knows it before it comes out of our mouth. He's omniscient, right? He knows these things. And what he does is he, uh, he, he gives an answer in his divine uh, jurisprudence, but the implementation may take a while. We're going to cover why that might happen. So we're going to get to that part. Um, but it's, God's word is good. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, verse 8b, the last verse here before we get to 5, <laughs> is that Jesus says, and sometimes Jesus says things and you're like, oh, where did that come from? Could you imagine his followers? Like we've had 2,000 years to read the Bible and all of his parables and stuff like that. I, I can imagine his followers might have had some struggles with these things, and you can see that reflected in some of the Gospels. But Jesus says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man, he's referring to himself, comes, right, he comes again, will he really find faith on the earth? And four out of five is a splash of cold water. Now, faith is obviously connected to prayer. Why? Because you don't pray to someone you don't exist, that that doesn't exist, right? You don't pray to someone that doesn't exist. Right? You don't call somebody or have an, a conversation with somebody who's not there. That makes no sense at all. So, uh, we, as the people of faith, we do have faith. We know that the Lord exists. We've experienced His love. We've had experiential uh, relationship with, relationships with Him. Uh, but He's basically saying, when the, prior to the second coming, things are going to be so bad and godless on the earth that the answer really, I mean, He sort of throws these rhetorical questions out there. And the answer is probably, if there is, is going to be very little. Now, Here's the irony. 
And I want to address Christians who are seeing what's going on in our country, they're seeing what's going on in the world, and they're frightened. I, I like to address all different aspects of the Christian culture, the church, etc. And people, they get scared. They're like, wow. So I'm looking at the stats too, and I'm going through these polls of very accomplished and um, you know, well-funded and well-designed polling uh, companies, etc., and what we see is every maybe five years, the numbers are, are paltry. They're terrible when it comes to faith. Is there faith in the, the American culture, right? We're supposedly a Christian nation. I don't see that. Uh, but there are a lot of Christians, right, that are praying for our country. Uh, but when we look at that, the polls are only reinforcing Christ's prophecies. So the tendency is to watch TV and say, more than 50% of the people don't believe in God, and 70% of Generation Zers are not going to church. And oh, I don't worry about it because I, I read it and I say, well, I need to do my job better and reach out to others and, and you know, share the truth of salvation and, and the living God. But at the same time, I say to myself, it, it looks bad, but it only reinforces the fact of what Jesus is saying. That the world, you know, with all the technology and AI, AI, boy, look into that stuff. It's kind of scary stuff. Oh, the world's going to get better. No, it's not. The world's going to get worse. All the money, all the research, all the intelligence, all the, even Daniel says how knowledge will increase in the last days. It's like exponential, right? Uh, so to me, it just reinforces to me that everything that Jesus says, everything in Revelation, everything in Daniel, everything in the Gospels is true. Because they, they said all these things. They, they shared this timeline, so to speak, before the Lord comes back. And my question is, will he find faith? Will he find faith? Brothers and sisters, do we have faith? Can we increase our faith? Can we practice our faith? Can we exercise it more? Right? Can we be the, an agent of change? Imagine that. A willing vessel. God looks to and fro upon the face of the earth, seeing that he, someone He could use that He can show Himself strong through, right? The Old Testament shares with us. That's powerful stuff. God is looking for people that He can show Himself strong through. Not to make us prideful and arrogant, but that He can work through, right? So be the force that helps to make your sphere of influence a better place. Amen? You know, I know where God has put me. You know, I, I didn't have any hand in where I was born. I just was born and I probably screamed and all that kind of stuff. And my parents moved us around and I, I'm here. So what I'm going to try to do is here where I live, I'm going to try to make it a better place, bring people closer to faith. Um, and we'll see what happens in the end, right? Five. I've been waiting for this all morning. <laughs> five out of five is the multifaceted diamond metaphor. In other words... If you look at a diamond, they're beautiful, they're pris prismatic, they're cut on many angles, you see various colors depending on how you look, look up to them, to the light. And I think of prayer like that. There's a lot of facets to prayer. And you know what, over 20 years I've taught about prayer when it's come up in Scripture, but I've never really put it all together. So I am really going to enjoy putting this together and, and looking at it, including uh, unanswered prayer. So let's go through this. A, unasked or non-persistent prayer. That's today's lesson. So when we read this, the woman and the judge, uh, the widow and the judge, what we're encouraged to do is be persistent. And I've heard people say, 
You know, like, oh, you know, you should pray. You should get to know the Lord. Oh, yeah, I prayed. Like I prayed once and God didn't do what I wanted, so I'm done with him. That's not how it works. Don't treat other people like that because you'll be a lonely person. You know, God wants a relationship with us. So that, that's it. Now, can God give us what we want anyway? Sure, and he does at times. Uh, but he desires us to have a relationship with him, right? That prayer is, is inexplicably linked, right, to a relationship with him, right? You're inextricably linked. I'm thinking of two different words. Uh, they have to come together. They, they're a part of each other. B, ah, the answers in prayer, right? So the first one's going to be easy. Sometimes God says yes. Hey, who doesn't love answered prayers? Oh, that is awesome. Sometimes he does it instantaneously. Sometimes it takes a little while. But hey, we love when we pray to God and the answer is yes. And it's implemented. But sometimes it's no. Now no is still an answer. And I look at it as... uh, you know, God doesn't take any pleasure in saying no. But, you know, if your four-year-old sees, uh, you know, Bob the Builder on TV and he wants to, wants to work with your gas-powered power tools, you probably will say no because you want him to keep his, his arms and his feet and his eyes and everything, right? So there's just some things that God maybe won't let us have because it can be harmful to us, right? Um, another part of the answer is, that God gives us is wait, or in other words, yes, but not now. How's that? Yes, but not now. Now, in some instances, it can be maybe that we have to mature in the faith a little bit before he does give us the yes. Could be years later. We don't know. Um, And I don't know the answer to this, but I know that my wife and I were looking, uh, the house that we live, we love it, it actually took, oh my goodness, house hunting is so annoying. <laughs> it's so frustrating. It actually took us just about two years to finally get the house that we are in now. Now, interesting, we were like, why did it take so long? But, you know, it, we actually, when it went right on the market at the two-year mark, so they weren't ready to sell it yet. It is the perfect house for us. It's, it's lovely. Uh, it's, it's not a monstrous house. It's, it's what we need, and uh, it's a blessing, and it, it took some time for us to, to get into it, but that's just the way it is. We're just happy with it. We enjoy it. Uh, my favorite answer, and I'm paraphrasing here, is when God sometimes says, let me tweak that a little bit. You know what I'm saying? We ask him for something, and he goes, let me zhuzh it, or let me, let me tweak it. Uh, it's, you're in the right direction, but... Let, let me do it this way, right? Because he's got the knowledge. He knows. He knows what's good for us. He knows what will work. And that's, you got, that's the way, you, you know, you kind of look at the way he answers, right? C is needs versus wants. Not knowing the difference between when we pray needs versus wants can lead to frustration. Because then we think of sort of Aladdin and, and the bottle and, you know, the three wishes and just kind of rub the, and, and that's sort of, that's obviously not how it works, but, oh, you're there, Lord, I need this. Okay, okay, go back, I'll, I'll check with you later when I need something else. You know, God doesn't want us to be materialistic. He doesn't want us to be spoiled king's kids. Uh, so we, we should know the difference between what do I really need and what do I want. Now, does God still give us the things we want? Of course he does. But immature and again, that was me. I did all the, I made all the mistakes as a new believer. It was, I address him, and it's my laundry list of things that I want, and that's that's not really prayer. 
Uh, when we look at D, prayer positions. Oh, this is a good one. This is a really good one. Because I hear, and I think sometimes when people come to a church and they, they, maybe they, they meet the wrong person or the more, wrong crowd, a person could be Pharisaic, they could be legalistic. And they, they kind of get turned off to God because of his so-called representatives. And I've heard people say, well, whenever you pray, you, you have to be kneeling. Where does it say that? Right? When we look at the first century, when we look at, you know, uh, that people would, would come to God, uh, the, you know, and they would have their hands raised to the heavens. Like they would just, they just wanted to reach him. And that was their expression of how they pay, prayed. How about this? A person who's in the hospital, they can't get out of bed. And they're laying supine in the bed, and in the hospital bed, they're praying. Well, God's not going to hear their prayer because they couldn't get on their knees. You know, what if uh, you're out in the woods and a bear comes, you know, and he starts chasing you, you're running, and you're praying as you're running, and God's like, I'm not answering that, they're not on their knees, you know what I'm saying? So we, we got to get away from the legalism, because it, it, it really takes the fire out of a young believer who's, who's thirsting for God. It, it, it tamps it down, you know, so prayer positions, really, the, the Position of our heart is actually more important than, I believe, the physical position, right? E, so the Psalm 66, 18 hindrance, I'll, I'll touch on that. Uh, basically, it says, if I regard sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear. And that's something that we all sin. So, okay, we're all doomed. No, what it means is, is that when we're sort of riding two horses with one behind, you know. We're in the world and we're actively living a godless lifestyle, but we come to God and uh, we want stuff. Well, because some Christian told me that. Um, you know, maybe God's like, when you're serious, come back and we'll talk. And, and look at relationships in the world, right? How do we deal with people when we're out of control or doing things we shouldn't be doing and we're trying to reach uh, maybe somebody who's a loved one and they're like, I just can't talk to you right now. So Psalm 66, 18 is an interesting one. Um, and we should always look at ourselves and say, am I doing things that are displeasing to God? Is, is this something that could hinder my prayer life? Uh, F, the thorn in the flesh hindrance. So this is neat. I'm going to cover this Second Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, a lot of you are familiar with this, and I'm going to say this is more of a physical, a physical question, right? 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, this is the Apostle Paul, great guy, <laughs> loves the Lord, uh, he's a good person, he's saved by grace, he's preaching the gospel, and he's troubled with this infirmity that he's struggling with. And he said, And lest I be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Great pride, right? Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. Paul changes his attitude. <laughs> oh, I get, please, Lord, this is the third time. Sometimes I've asked for things 30 times, and I'm like, all right, I guess it's not going away. Uh, he says that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. 
A lot of the Christian culture that follows this prosperity gospel, they don't like these scriptures. Because what happens is, so I, I, I may have to go through something, and God's going to do a work in me, or He's not ready to remove this, um, but because I'm being humble, He's going to do a great work through me, but I don't feel good. Okay, I, I get it, and I can empathize with that, because sometimes I don't feel good. But the thorn in the flesh hindrance, and I'll just speak to, uh, to, to my life, is that when I came to Christ, you know, I always wanted to... So as a new believer, I'm like, I don't know how it's going to happen, and it took a long delay, but I'd, I'd love to teach God's Word. When I love God's Word. I had to go through some things first, and I'm just going to speak for myself, for nobody else, but I was a prideful jerk when I came to Christ. So the Lord's like, oh, we got to... We've got to do some polishing. We've got to cut off some of those uh, rough edges. And I'll tell you that surgeons have opened my skin in various places close to 15 times already. And I always pray, Lord, I don't want to go to the doctor again, you know. Uh, so I just look back and I'm like, you know, it's kind of neat. I got a chance to witness to a lot of surgeons. And I've given them Bibles and books and shared and um, I look back and it wasn't fun. I wouldn't want to go, man, recovering from surgery is misery. Uh, so, but I, I would say that God used me even in that situation. One thing I did have to learn is that you should come out of anesthesia fully before you start witnessing. So you can imagine where that goes. Let me tell you about Jesus. I'm like, you know what? Let me just wait till I'm completely conscious and on this side. You know, I get a little giggles from some of the staff and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's not coming out the way I'm trying to get it out, you know. But uh, I've got a chance to really witness to a lot of people and I, I don't want to share too many intricacies but, intricacies, but let's just say that they let me in a lot of times. So uh, very cool stuff. Okay, thorn in the flesh hindrance. G, the mantra hindrance. Now, some of you might think of a particular denomination, but I'm going to tell you that there's several denominations that do this, and I don't know why they do it. Because it's Jesus' own words. In Matthew 6, he says, when you pray, don't use vain repetitions. Don't keep saying the same thing over and over again. Right? To say, to have a, 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 a prayer and to memorize it and just keep repeating it, you know, you're doing your talking at God. You're not saying anything. It doesn't make sense. So he says, Jesus says, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen or the unbelievers do. They think they will be heard by their many words, indicating that they won't. God wants an honest to good relational conversation with us. H, the importance of prayer. The importance of prayer. Well, as much as we see every other day a shooting, a stabbing, a crime stat in this country, we're also seeing uh, colleges and, and churches and organizations ramp up their praying, uh, you know, prayer nights, and uh, it's really been a really neat thing to watch. Uh, some of them started and went on for days. So there's, a, there's an equally and opposing force trying to bring good back into the culture trying to bring God back, salt and light back. So there is a spiritual war going on. But I would say that uh, even our last prayer night was beautiful. It, it actually went on so long that the worship team was going to do one last set, and I know they didn't even eat dinner. I'm like, listen, go get something to eat. We'll, we'll take care of this. So we actually had stopped the, the last worship song 
because so many people were coming up. They were praying for the country. They were praying for other people, for salvation. The, there was something about the last prayer night, and I, I shared this with my staff. So, you know, when we say, hey, there's a prayer night, come out to it. Pray for somebody that you know. Pray for somebody that needs it. And listen, you can come late. I'm working late. It's, it's casual. Come in late. You can leave early if you need to, but boy, the prayer nights are so important. And I've already heard some good results from those prayer nights. Um, there was something else I wanted to say, and it, it just, I mean, I can't say enough. Oh, I know it, what it was. In my immaturity, and I don't mind sharing, listen, I, I did all the wrong things, all the dumb things that you do as a new believer. Uh, as a new believer, the church I went to was a Calvary Chapel, and when, when they would have prayer nights, I would skip the prayer night because another church somewhere was having a speaker. I wanted to hear the sermons. But that was in my immaturity. Now I, I love the prayer nights, you know, and I love when people come up and it's, we don't record it uh, because, you know, we, we want to keep everyone's confidence. And each person shares something different, a little different nuances. And it's just neat to see how different they pray, right, to, to God versus how I do. And I, I like the diversity, so to speak. Two more. ACTS, acronym. So, it's, again, I don't want to get into a formula because I just talked about how Jesus said not to get into a formula, but when you look at prayer, it sort of has the it's ACTS, uh, sort of an acronym, and you know, loosely look at it. So A would be adoration. Part of our prayer should be praising God because he deserves to be prayed. The C in Acts is confession, right? Just sharing where we've fallen short. The day before, the day of, if it's evening. Uh, T is thanksgiving. That's a big one, you know, and I can tell you that even in the, the darkest times of my life, uh, the difficult walks as a believer, going through the storms, I can tell you there's a T in there. I can be thankful for something that the Lord did through that situation. And, you know, in, in the United States today, our culture is, they're so unhappy. You know, we have so much money, we have so much compared to the rest of the world, and Americans are largely, and the, the polls are showing this, just, they're just unhappy, they're angry. Everybody's walking around with a chip on their shoulder. You know, when you have the living God, I mean, it just infuses life into you. You know, and that T, the thankfulness, to me, that's very powerful. I thank God for a lot of stuff. Um, I even thank God sometimes for some unanswered prayer years ago that He didn't give me, and now I realize 10, 20 years later why He didn't. And then S is supplication. <laughs> Some people, instead of acts, it's just S. <laughs> they go before the Lord and they, it's the wish list. But there's so much more to prayer than just asking for things. And then, the last one, prayer is talking to God. Right? And, you know, ministry hasn't been an easy road. There's, there's just been bumps and bruises and you know, you're under a microscope, and there's just been a lot of things over the years. Um, one of the reasons why I am so passionate for the things of God is because I knew the type of person I was before I was a Christian. And, you know, I believed in God. I went to Rutgers, you know, I studied the sciences. I knew God existed. It's actually this really cool, cool, cool book called In Six Days, There's 50 Scientists. I'm reading the book, I'm loving it, from various disciplines, physicists, chemists, biologists that talk about how science, they all started out as evolutionists and now science uh, proves the existence of God. But 
so in my old life, really not knowing, I was in a, I was in a denomination, and sadly enough, I would call on God. Uh, usually, it was the Saturday morning or the Sunday morning hangover. That's when I seriously, I'm just being honest with you. I, I'm just fully transparent from this pulpit. And I would get, I still remember, I have a good memory, and I would pray to God and I would be angry at him. I don't feel good, and I, there was something wrong with me, you know. Uh, and my prayers were insolent, they were disrespectful. And now that I'm a believer, I see, the, I see wow, I really lived two different lives. The B.C. days and, and the, the A.D. days. Uh, but I appreciate that he was patient with me when I was a real jerk, you know. And again, I just so insolent. I remember those, those prayers. And I did not know him. It was just, he, but he was patient. He should have just zapped me, and he didn't. He gave me time to repent. Uh, so, okay. But the bottom line is, and here's the, the title, is Relational Conversations with God. Hebrews 4.16 tells us that we should come boldly. The Bible tells us that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. When you start opening your mouth and you're talking to God, you're, he's in his throne room, man. He, you're, he's hearing you. You know, I mean, does he, is it an audience for the angels? I don't know, but it is the coolest thing. It says we can, people, people treat prayer like a small thing. It says that we can come boldly to what? To the throne of grace. Not the phone loop. Not the waiting office. We can come to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And God never gets tired of us. This widow was annoying this godless judge. But Jesus is saying, when you pray to God the Father, He is patient. And He, unlike the, the judge who wanted to get rid of this lady, He's saying that God wants you to come daily, you know, make it a regular part of your life to to obtain mercy and find grace and help in your time of need. It gets even better. I could be here all day long with the Scriptures. I had to be selective. Romans 8 tells us the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us in prayer when we're too weak and exhausted. When we're discouraged. When Jesus says don't be discouraged, He's not saying don't come to Me because you have a bad attitude. He's saying always pray. Always talk to Me. Always talk to the Father. Right? Amen, James. So he, he's, in Romans 8, it says, you ever, listen, I'm going to raise my hand, okay? You ever just get that, that time of your life where you just, oh, everything's coming down, man. It's just one thing after another, and you're just, you're exhausted, you're discouraged. And when you pray, it almost sounds like you're, you're just, oh, Lord. half of it is with your mouth and half of it's with your mind. You're so weak. But Romans 8 says that the Spirit comes in and He saves the day. He makes intercession for us. This is pretty wild stuff, isn't it, folks? So, listen, this is my job. My job is to impress upon you for you to understand the full depth of His love for you and that He wants to keep that lifeline open with you. But He's not going to force you to do it. And I always say, and it's, it's, I wish I could coin it, but it was already said before me, is that when we find that one day we, we look up and we sense that we're, we're further away from God. He didn't move. We did. So, going back to the beginning, let us always pray and not let the discouragement take hold of us and send us into a place of isolation from God where we don't want to be. Amen?
just want to leave you with this. You've got to put the cart before the horse. In order to really have an effective prayer life, you have to know the Lord. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. Every generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10:30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.